In this episode, the jewels of wisdom will be coming from two entrepreneurs in the retail sector, two people who founded their own businesses and who are both still standing and whose businesses are both still standing. Gary Grant, who founded the Entertainer Toy Store chain, 170 stores now from small beginnings in Amersham, and Annika Wallington, who's the founder of a social impact gifting brand called Recognized, which I understand is almost five years old. Indeed. Happy birthday In next week. Oh, Thank few you. weeks yeah. time. Well, shalom to you both. As ever in the TJM podcast, the guests get to ask each other questions, but I get to go first. So uh, let me begin with you, Annika. Your gifting business is called Recognize. Tell us about it and tell us how you got started. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Recognize is a social impact brand, so we have a driving purpose to help everyone feel seen, valued and recognized, particularly when they need it most. And the reason we do that is because everyone has something they're going through in life. It could be that you're struggling with your mental health, you have a loved one who's going through cancer, you might be walking through grief as a family. And I believe, we believe as a business that it's those moments that you need to be shown the most love and compassion. Mm. And really the vision is to help people come alongside people in that moment. So no one has to feel alone, but friends and family members importantly don't have to feel stuck to know how to help in those times. And so really practically as a business that we do kind of three main things. We create really meaningful, impactful, beautiful gifting concepts to help people show love and compassion with the simple kind of premise that a gift is a small act that can make a big difference when someone needs it most. All of our guests fund recognition projects. Um, so customers get to choose that and that could be a dinner for people feeling lonely in London to movie nights for families going through cancer. And then we use content and social media to help educate people on how to live a more thoughtful life. And how did you come to this idea? Well, yeah, a bit unusual actually. Um, so recognize, yeah, we started five years ago, but about maybe three, four years before that, I actually, I was at uni in Oxford Brooks, at Oxford Brooks, and I had a dream. So I went to sleep one night, home for the Christmas holidays, went to sleep, had this dream. And in my dream, I saw a woman who had depression walking into a supermarket. And at the till point, she saw another woman wearing a bracelet that had a dove on. And I saw the words, I stand with you. And in that moment, the woman didn't feel as alone and had this moment of hope and recognition. And, and that was the dream. And I woke up and I thought, oh, like I've never had a dream like that before. Um, and I was actually recently quite new back to my faith. I'd grown up in a Christian family, but only really a few months before that had I come back to my faith. So this was the first time I believe God had ever spoken to me in, in the dream. And went back to uni that term and coincidentally, a lot of my friends are struggling with their mental health. So I had, you know, but this is almost 10 years ago. So people don't talk about mental health at the time. It's a huge stigma. People only talk about it after they've gone through it. Mm -hmm. And so I had several friends tell me that they'd struggle with their mental health. And one friend in particular, very close friend said, Annika, I've had depression for three months. And I was just so struck that everyone was struggling in silence. And I thought there's got to be something that you could give to someone or that you could wear that would communicate to someone that they're not alone, that you see them, that you value them. And everything I could find to do that. I studied business, so did a whole like business research and to see what you could do to do that. And everything I found was a plastic wristband or charity badge. And I thought, I don't want to wear that. I definitely don't want to give that. Um, and what we know today is when you create a product that is inherently beautiful in itself, it actually values 
what someone has been through as opposed to giving them a piece of plastic. Um, and so from there, came up with the idea for statement pop-ons, which is what we're most known for, which are our, which is our jewelry line. So um, really simple concept. Customers pick a jewelry base, which is either a bangle or a necklace, and then they pick a statement pop-on. All of our pop-ons, they're pendants for listeners. Um, in fact, I'm wearing one for viewers. I'm not allowed <laughs> to point at the camera, am I? But here we go. Um, and so yeah, all the, I'm wearing the anti-slavery one today, the Hope Pearl. All the pop-ons support different causes. So the first one we did, of course, was mental health. It's a little dove. Um, we launched that World Mental Health Day 2018. Um, and 100% of the profits from the pendant, from the pop-on, go to support recognition projects through our network of charity partners um, and our own projects as well. Um, but much more than that, if I can just add one final thing, more than that, you know, that that's just the beginning of the impact. The impact isn't really the donation. The impact is this concept and this idea when someone gets seen when someone knows that they weren't alone in what they're facing mm. that moment of recognition is so powerful yeah it reminds me of um hagar's experience in in genesis the woman who is despised and runs away from sarah and feels totally alone she's a slave girl or slave woman and there she is alone in the wilderness and god comes to her mm. and sees her as a result, she says, this is the God who sees. So this is very beautiful. It is the dream I presume you believe came from the Lord. Is that yeah, right? absolutely. And um, I guess just on that as well, that's the first name we get for God in the Bible. It's the God that sees, which is just really yeah. cool. And yeah, it's the dream I saw, but we now see that. I know this is all about retail, but we see that happening now all the time in really busy retail shopping centers um, and and where we host our concessions and pop-ups, we see these moments of recognition happening all the time. And you think, wow, that, that came from a dream and now that actually happens. People really do experience what, what happened in the dream. So one of your ambassadors is in, say, John Lewis concession. Other stores are available. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> somebody comes up to them. So can you give us an example of a yeah. conversation? I mean, one of my favorite stories is of a woman who, um, it was in Cheltenham, at one of our Christmas pop-ups and I had a woman come by the pop-up and I started explaining our causes to her which we take every customer through um, mental health cancer and you know, so on and I, I when I said mental health she just started crying and walked away from the pop-up and that's not uncommon to see that um, but when someone leaves you obviously sit there the next hour thinking is that woman okay <laughs> I've just made her cry and um should i follow her yeah you know well exactly and this was actually in the pandemic as well so it was even trickier because we all have masks on and anyway she came back about an hour later pulled me to the side and she said this is you know this is i mean busiest weekend of the year i think like 16th of september uh, december or something it's so busy the store's so busy she pulls me to the side and she says sorry i a lot she said i lost my son to suicide a year ago um he was 29 and when you mention mental health i you know obviously Mm. got extremely emotional um and i you know spent 15 minutes with her hearing her story asking her question asking her questions she just wanted to share she just wanted someone to talk to and she ended up buying the dove that, that i'd seen in the dream with with a bangle and she came back from the till and she said thank you for reminding me that there's so much hope amidst my pain thank you for being so kind mm. and it's it's just the, those moments where you i i, I think what i've really learned in that is Gary, you must see this as well, but people walking into a retail store 
have a name and they have a story and they could have the weight of the world on their shoulders. The amount of people that come in because they're actually just doing some retail therapy. We lost my auntie a year ago, um, really, really close in our family. And we were planning to go shopping that morning and we got the news on the phone and she passed away from breast cancer. And I, I still went shopping because that was actually just my immediate response was, <laughs> I just need to do something. I'm not really sure how to process this. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of that, of people coming into retail spaces just to process kind of what's going on in, in their world mm. and their family. And, and it's amazing to be able to intersect people with, with hope and connection when they might desperately need it. Brilliant, wonderful. wonderful. How do you follow that? Oh, tell a story about how you started well, one of the most influential toy brands in the world. Can I tell you of one other instance that came back to mind when you were talking, and 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 I'm not sure how I can follow that, Annika. That's why amazing. Every Christmas we have a nativity scene in our in our window in our shops. We take one of our shop windows, we take all the toys out, put a nativity scene, and it said the reason for the season is the birth of Jesus. Wow. A lady wrote to me. She said, um, "I just had to get the Christmas stuff done. I was really, really hating it, and I was walking through." Westfield, London, and your window attracted me, and I just stood outside, and I read it. Another lady stopped next door to me, and she said, do you get it? And she said, oh, and I went off, and I spent an hour with this lady who she didn't know, mm. just having a coffee, and she said that was a lifesaver that day. Wow. So the thing is about our businesses, we don't actually, it's more than selling, isn't it? Of course we've got to sell things. We have to be utterly commercial in the way we do what we do. But we do some really crazy things as well because we're swimming against the tide. Mm. Because I remember the first year we put the nativity scenes in the window, the staff were saying, but we're going to lose sales because we haven't got toys in the window with prices on. Um, and I think it's just saying, but let's just do the right thing. Let's do the right thing. So, Mark, what was the question? Well, let me just have our question. Yeah. I was going to ask you a potted history of the, the entertainer. But did you lose money? I don't think so. I mean... No. We could sit here for another hour and talk about all the things that we do and don't do um, that are utterly uncommercial. It doesn't yeah. make any sense, but our business still thrives. I'm not suggesting life's easy in the high street at the moment, but, but our business has survived and thrived for over 40 years. So we started in business in 1981, opened three shops in 10 years, became a Christian in 1991. And that's when life completely changed. Our whole approach as to how we do business, in the way of honesty, in the way of selling products that we were um, we, we were confident to sell, comfortable in selling. And then by 1985, what do you do regarding keeping the Sabbath holy, one of, one of the Ten Commandments? Um, and we made a decision back in 1995, as Sunday trading was working, was picking up, that we wouldn't open on Sundays. So I guess the entertainer is most known for one, little steps where children, young children can go up the steps at the counter and be on an eye level with a member staff and pay their pocket money for what they want to buy. Yeah. We honour children. Two of the things we don't stock and we choose not to stock them, we're not banning them. Parents can choose to buy what they like for their children. And the fact that none of our staff work on a Sunday. We believe in family. We believe in the Sunday meal and people being around the table at the same time if they can and enjoying family time together. Tell me about one or two of those decisions, the, com the product decisions that you've made. I mean, famously, the Harry Potter yep. toys, you decided that you weren't going to... So, um, I'm dyslexic. 
I left school at 16 with 1-0 level in maths. So if we want to do a maths question now, it'd be fantastic. Right. <laughs> if we're going to play Scrabble, I've completely lost. Um, and um, I, I guess I've... God speaks to me through how I feel. You know, God spoke to you through a dream. And the Bible says that God speaks to us through words of knowledge, dreams, and, and all those sorts of things, doesn't he? So, so how does he speak to each one of us? And it, the answer is differently. So you, you can't copy what I do and I can't copy what you do. But all I can say is just be alert because God will be communicating with us all differently. So um, Harry Potter was launched uh, probably about 30 years ago now. And, and, and the company that was um, marketing them came to see me to present the toys to me. And, and I'd heard about the book, hadn't read the book, but I'd heard about the books and I just and I felt uncomfortable. Just think a few things I'd heard. So I thought, well, there's no point in, in, um, in me just seeing the products by myself. What if I don't know? So I invited Kath to come along. So she dropped the children at school for a nine o'clock meeting. And the guy opened his bag. He put them all on my desk. And I just said, and I looked at them and said, no, we're not stocking them. He said, well, well what is it about, about the products? I, I said, can't you see that? The boxes are all strange. They're all sort of almost moving. I said, they just don't feel right. So I didn't even really need a second opinion with Kath. Um, and we decided not to stock Harry Potter. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't buy Harry Potter toys. I'm not the man who banned Harry Potter. I'm the man who chose not to stock Harry Potter toys in our shops. Um, and then there's another example, um, Trolls, probably about 25 years ago now when the first Trolls, not the current ones, which have been made much more fun and light, but the original Trolls were characters with really funny faces and all different colour hair. And the guy put them on my desk and I thought, they are really weird. I'm not comfortable with this. And, and I said, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stock trolls. Because there's thousands of toys on the market. You know, I'm, you know, if, I, if I don't stock one toy, I can stock another. And um, then I asked around at church. You know, God, tests us, God, God encourages us to test things, doesn't he? Speak to people that we, that we trust and bounce ideas off each other. Um, because there's no trolls in, in, in the Bible and there's no Harry Potter in the Bible, but there's some clues. Um, and, and some uh, Nephilim. Huh? And some Nephilim. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, but the clue went, for example, when I, when I first became a Christian, I kicked um, Halloween out. The, um, and I don't know whether it was you, Mark, at the time. If it wasn't you, it was J. John, said to me, the Bible doesn't say avoid evil. The Bible actually says avoid that that even appears to be evil. So even if you think it's evil, even if it's not, if it appears to you to be evil, avoid it. So I went to church um, on the Sunday after saying no to the troll man. And I asked a few people at church, what do you think about the trolls? Some said yes, some said no, people didn't know. And I thought well, maybe I was having a bad day. I didn't really hear God right. So I rang the guy up. He came all the way back from Northampton, probably only an hour's drive, got back into my office, put the trolls on my desk and I looked at them and I thought, they're still weird. And this time he gave me an A3 piece of paper with lots of pictures of trolls on the piece of paper. And when I turned the piece of paper over in English, because they, they, they were made in Denmark, it said, creatures of mystical, magical powers of good luck. And I just knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, but I knew the first time. And sometimes, so I told him, I said, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm, I know you've come back, but I'm still not stocking trolls. <laughs> the guy was uh, aghast that he'd wasted another, another few hours of his life. And... So sometimes God is speaking to us personally and only we will understand. And you've just got to go, you've just got to be honouring, you've just got in that relationship, say, God, if I've misunderstood what you're saying to me, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to do this because I believe this is the right thing to do. 
I remember that because, uh, um, in fact, you may not re recall this, but you called me up and asked me what you might do, and you'd had a you had an estimate from another another Christian organization for £20,000 uh, to give you the answer. I don't know if you remember this, this is what they told me. And I said to you, to you, Gary, 18. <laughs> and, uh, I still owe you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do, I do. I think I sent you three pieces of paper and yeah. you gave me a voucher. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what I remember about these Two things struck me. Um, the first thing was, you told me then, I think I'll know the answer mm. when I see the toys, the Holy Spirit will tell me. Mm. And that's what happened, I think, yeah. the Holy, Holy Spirit told you. And the other thing that really amazed me, you may not know this part of the story, is, you know, Gary does not want to be, you know, God's policeman in the toy world. Um, he, he said to me, nobody ever told me that nobody else should sell these toys or that nobody else should read these books. Mm -hmm. So I go, I'm, I'm going to see Gary at his uh, warehouse, which I think is in Chesham, mm -hmm. and was at the time. And uh, he's showing me around the warehouse. And in the sort of staff recreation area, there's a woman there sitting there reading Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Big, chunky book. Oof, like this, you know, right in the middle of this thing. And I say, that's interesting, Gary. There she is, yeah. you know, in, in your offices reading this book when you are globally famous for not, for not stocking the toys. And Gary says to me, you know what, Mark? She did stop reading the books. And I noticed. And I went up to said, you used to read the Harry Potter books? Mm. She said, yes. And why aren't you still reading them? She said, I didn't think I was meant to around here. <laughs> and Gary said, it's your free time. You read what you want. Mm. And it seemed to me that that was hugely honouring of a people. Mm. You know, it's, it's up to them. He's not the policeman. It's their free time. Uh, highly liberating and shows, you know, again, you know, I know you do this, but enormous respect for the individuals who, 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 who work for you. It's an interesting question to both of you entrepreneurs, you know, one level, you don't have to do this. You don't have to, you don't have to put yourself through all this emotional, you know, mental, spiritual strain. You could just go and work for, in your case, you could work for Pandora or Sarkovsky or Selfridges or Tiffany's or some other higher, higher brand, you know. What's the buzz for you? And I've definitely had that temptation to go and work for one of those brands. <laughs> I, think it's, I think every entrepreneur has like a secret escape plan that they would love to go and do. I don't know if you have that, Gary, but I've definitely have in the last couple of years where I think I just want to go run a cafe on a beach in Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the thrill? Um, I love creating and I love creating products that move people in particular. Mm. And I love seeing something. And I guess for me, the real thrill is obviously doing it with God. Um, and I really don't mean that in a Christianese way, but genuinely, yeah. I think that is probably my strength as a Christian entrepreneur is, and that's what I'd say to anyone listening is, I'm such a big believer in the mind of Christ. And, you know, when it's talked about in Corinthians that we've been given the mind of Christ mm -hmm. and so, our, his ideas are better than our ideas. And honestly, I can honestly say like our statement pop-ons a dream. People will say, where did that campaign come from? I mean, we've won not Trump who our own horn or whatever, but we have won awards for marketing campaigns and all of these things. And I genuinely sit there and think, well, it wasn't really my idea. <laughs> like I've just been before the Lord with a pen and a paper. And it's often when I'm on, when I'm resting and all of a sudden, out all these ideas come. And so I think the thrill for me is being able to kind of take something of heaven, bring it to earth and see it move people. And and then I just love 
the fun things of picking colors and choosing materials and just like finessing a product yeah. and, and i love retail i've been in retail since i've been 13 years old working for like boots and next and i've always loved people and i love the thrill it's it's so i was in um the back of a um you know behind um what you call it a stock cream gary mm -hmm. um you know and I, this is one of the moments i just realized that i definitely have a calling for this ridiculous hector because i just i just love knowing the name of a dolly mm -hmm. or which for anyone listening is just a, something you'd push you know mm -hmm. heavy things on or whatever or just kind of no, i thought you meant barbie or something like that <laughs> terms or just i just love being in a stock cream i i can't explain it it's just it, it gets me excited and there's sometimes those moments where it might seem so mundane to anyone else but mm. i just get really excited by it um so yeah definitely the thrill of thrill of creating yeah. so i've never thought about working for anybody else because as kath would say if she was here you're unemployable gary <laughs> you are you're a rebel um and i think i think the thing is about entrepreneurs no thing is about people we each have a different uh, tolerance to risk, but entrepreneurs have a heightened tolerance for risk. So we'll go where maybe other people don't go. Yeah. Now, um, when I say risk, I mean, from an entrepreneur's perspective, managed risk. There's outrageously risk-taking, which is probably completely stupid. But if you take risks with a well-thought-through business plan, there's a reasonably good chance that you might succeed. Um, and if you're not in the game, you can't win. You've got to take risks. Uh, and as entrepreneurs, our, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem sleeping at night. You know, there might be 1,800 people relying. Well, I did actually struggle sleeping at night during the pandemic. You know, we've got 1,800 staff and they're all relying upon mm -hmm. us delivering their, their monthly salary check. But outside of the pandemic, which is it's only the second worst thing to, sorry, it was the, that's the worst, the second worst thing was running a family business through the financial crisis of 2008. Mm. And as we went into October, when all the banks, Lehman Brothers and others were collapsing, our turnover dropped 30%. We used to get up in the morning, listen to the 615 Business News on Radio 4, and some other insurance company had gone down and Northern Rock had gone down. You actually had no idea what was actually going to happen the next day. So that was a really worrying time because all of a sudden your, your, your cash flow was just draining away in the most critical time of the year. But apart from those outside influences, if you can plan, you can plot, you can take risks with confidence. Um, and um, as I say, if you're in the game, you can win. And if you're not in the game, you just watch from the, from the, from the, from the sidelines and just wish you were, well, I would wish I was part of the game. So what's the buzz for you then? Is, is it risk-taking or is there some other aspect of the There is risk-taking. It's, it's seeing things other people can't see. So I often sit down and, and I say to them, I think to myself, but this is, this is, this is obvious. <laughs> Why can't other people see it? But we're all different. And sometimes, you know, I see something, I can look at, look at something, Kath can look at something, and we can see opportunity. Yeah. And you look at it and say, Let's just do it. You think so, but why, why isn't everybody else seeing it? Mm. Um, and you can't bottle what's inside us. There's just something in us that sees opportunity. Um, and and I just I just love encouraging young people. When I when I when I go to schools, I say, look, the world and I speak to Scott. The world owes you nothing. You won't get anywhere without hard graft. You know, you've got to put the hours in. You've got you've, you. Nobody's going to give you anything. I said, but if you aim high, you might hit bullseye. If you aim low, you'll hit low. So just dream big dreams and aim high and just go go with your spirit and see what actually happens. 
So encouraging young people to dream big dreams, that's something I love doing. The um, staff, I mean, retail, I mean, you love it, you love it. Uh, but for lots of people, you know, working in retail, particularly on the shop floor, is not seen as a great thing to do. Whenever I've been into a, an entertainer store, less so these days, uh, my children are too big for it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they always seem very, very motivated, very up for it. And yep. have you built that kind of... People love our culture or they hate our culture. Um, I guess I'm demanding. In fact, being demanding is one of our values, along with care and respect. So we've got to keep those in equal balance. Um, but I think people love working for a business where they know they can make a difference. So I can walk into the shop. I'm not Mr. Grant. I'm Gary to everybody. Um, I, I will go the extra mile for them. I'll take my jacket off. I'll help them with the jobs that they're doing because I, I've done everything. I didn't start at the start with a big business. I started with one shop and I unloaded the lorries and I served the customers and I priced the stock. I've done all those jobs. So I know what it is they're doing. So there's certain aspects of our business. I've got no idea how it works. I don't know how marketing works and I've got no idea how computers work. But if it doesn't work, I know when it's broken because things stop happening. Um, so it's getting alongside the staff, supporting the staff. Uh, and the other privilege about being a business owner um, is the opportunity that I, I get the opportunity to pray for people. Um, now, if you employ 1,800 people, you've actually got a pretty large village worth of people working for you. And at any one time, you've got people up and down the country that are going through the challenges that you've mentioned earlier, Annika. And I just want them to know that I'm there for them. Um, and, and of all the years, and I've rung up hundreds of staff and said, can I pray for you? And one member of staff has ever said no. You know, and maybe they don't feel intimidated because they can't say no to me, but they can if they chose to. And it's staggering the responses I get back from people where, you know, I can't heal people, I can't change people's circumstances, but God can do that. All I've got to do is just grab hold of it, plug into the member of staff, and 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 there are there are positive there are positive stories that people have come back to me and said, since you prayed for me, I haven't been back in hospital with that so and so. You know, a lady with cancer, since you prayed for me, of course she had all her treatment, but she still believes that the treatment and the prayer were equally as important. There was a balance. Um, and she speaks out. She, you know, she, was, she nabbed me in the shop. She was just bubbling over. And also the way in which we supported people. Um, uh, and, and certainly when people are going through it, I hope that as a business we're not, we're not normal. I hope we're abnormal because we definitely get alongside people. Gary, I am so inspired by everything I've heard today. And I know that obviously Joel and I have tracked with your journey and with you for, for a number of years. Mm. Um, I think I wonder, one of my questions I have for you is, you know, you started with one store and now you have, is it eight, no, 800 staff, 71? Eight. 1,800 Eight. staff. And how many stores? 170 stores. Wow, see, so 170 stores. Yeah. You know, you're at, I think many people would look at where you are in your business and think that you're kind of at the top of the industry, mm. um, a real leader in the industry. Do you think you've made a difference in the industry um, or shaped it in any way? Wow, that's a quite broad question. Um, people know what I stand for. And... Um, 20 years ago, I went with J. John to an event called Champion. No, it wasn't. What was it called? Oh, uh, uh, doesn't matter. Right, a different answer. Cut that. Right. <laughs> Have I made a difference in the toy industry? Well, 
I, I think so. I no, I really believe we have. I'm probably one of the only men other men will ring when they're in the industry, when they're going through a challenge. Why? Because they know they can talk to me. They'll get prayer back, but they can talk to me. Uh, and, and more recently, I remember a, a brand of doll that we've been selling for a number of years. And suddenly this company had a brainstorm. They were going to bring out this particular brand of doll and they were going to brand it, this brand of doll, OMG Dolls. And Stuart said to the owner of this company, the owner in America. Stuart's your son, right? Stuart's my, my son who does all the buying. We're not going to be able to sell those dolls. And he looked at Stuart and said, it doesn't mean what you think it means. I said, well, what do you think OMG stands for? And he said, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> Stuart was intrigued by this. So the next day, Stuart met with this guy again and said, okay, so what does OMG stand for? And he said, it's the original millennial girls. <laughs> and Stuart said, really? And he said, well, if you put that on the box, we will stock them. And since that day, throughout the world, if you see this brand of doll, OMG, after it, underneath it, it says the, ori the original Millennium Girls. Wow. So the influence that one conversation has had, whether you buy the toys in Walmart, in the States, whether you buy it from Target in Australia or for the entertainer in the UK, it now has got an explanation. Now, whether people believe the explanation or not, it doesn't matter. We felt we had to honour that man because he was prepared to put that on the box because against all the odds, that's not what he thought it meant when he put it on the box. He had to think about it. He probably had to dash off and speak to his marketing department. Quickly help me out. OMG, what does it stand for? Uh, and they came up with an answer. Something I'm really intrigued to know about you, Gary, is again, coming back to the scale of where you've built it, mm -hmm. kind of two part. Did you ever have the vision for that? Um, and if you did, then how have you kind of built it to that point? And if you didn't, um, still how have you built it to that point? How do you get from one to 170? Okay. It's a long story for a 25-minute podcast, 45-minute podcast. But anyway, let me tell you where we go. So when I was three, my parents were divorced. So growing up as a child, uh, earning money was survival. If I wanted something, I had to go and earn the money for it, whether it be selling newspapers or washing people's cars as a kid or raking up their leaves. That's how I got money and that's how I had money for my holidays, how I bought my first bike, how I bought my motorbike, my first motorbike, which gave me independence. So it was a way out of a really tough situation because as a family, we had no money. So when we opened our first shop um, and that was satisfying another need, I'd got fired from the previous job that I had and I needed a job. Kath and I had been married for about for less than a year. Um, we, I, I had to fight to make this work. Yeah. But then that was the way that I did it then. I, I just, against all the odds, fought to make things successful, which didn't happen. Um, obviously, oh, it's been different since I've been a Christian. So um, it was long hours and, and, and all that we earned, we had to keep reinvesting. We earned it, we reinvested. We earned it, reinvested. Um, and Kath being a, a health visitor at the time, her income kept us going because we just had to keep putting, plowing money back into the business. But it was just, it was just seeing an opportunity and believing it. So after 10 years, after uh, 1995, after four, 85, after four years, we opened our second shop. After 10 years, we opened our, our third shop. And that's when God got me. And that's when everything changed. 
areas of honesty, the products we stopped, ultimately working on a Sunday, everything got thrown up in the air and we had to we had to go a different a different route. Um, and honesty pays because up until then we didn't have a computer, we did anything we just did what we did and and since nineteen ninety one our business has, has grown exponentially. Um, and there's this wonderful song that I can't remember exactly what the words, but uh, um, give um, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to you. You know, I can either believe that I did it, or yeah. I can believe that God is God is faithful and He's He's given me that opportunity. And if He's given that opportunity, He's also given me something, the skills and the talents to be able to make that happen. Because I left school with one O level in maths, that was it. I hated school. I'm not a learner. I learn from example. I can see things and I sense things, and I'm pretty quick at piecing things together. I've got a, a logistical mind. And again, parting question: As you ask us at the business lunches, if what has God done in the last quarter, coming into quarter four, biggest quarter of the year for retail, what's the one thing He's done in the last quarter that's encouraged you? Um. Oh, that's a really good question. Being on this podcast, I, think I know. We must be. But I ask these questions. Now you're asking me. You put me on the spot. And, and I'm not the third one in the row. I've got to come up with the first answer. Um, at the moment, I think I am discouraged with retail. It's been a pretty tough year. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the cost of living crisis has really impacted a lot of my regular customers. Um, and, and every parent wants to give their children whatever they can afford to give their children there's no parent that, that wants to cut their children short and when kids are coming home from school and say you know my friend's got this or you know, as they get older you know why can't I have those trainers that are an outrageous price you have to really feel for and pray for parents that are really struggling to make their money go round. and there's a lot now a lot of parents struggling to go around um, so to answer your question um, very quickly, because we're out of time, and I'm trying to think of think of an answer. What have I been encouraged? Um, oh, Annika, I don't know. But let me turn the let me turn the question round. What happened with the with the Christian Leaders Brunch is that God kept putting people in my path, and they bring up and say, "Could I just come and have a conversation with you?" And and and, I've, and I, I now say no to people because it it just consumes too much time. And, and I thought, you know what? There needs to be a safe space that people can ask ask questions. Um, and you've been to two or three now, haven't you, over the last year, 18 months. What have you managed to, how have you managed to benefit from coming to one of those lunches? No, you turn it around. <laughs> um, I think that ultimately it has to be first, first and foremost, the mm. community, that sense of, you know, bringing it back to kind of the, pur the purpose of recognize it's that sense that you're, mm. you're not alone someone else understands I think shared experience mm. in any anything in life any industry any context anything you walk through if someone has shared a similar experience it is in hugely encouraging mm. and I think particularly when you're running a business and perhaps you've got the ultimate responsibility or mm. being an entrepreneur you face just a level of uncertainty that is abnormal I'd probably mm. say in, in the world and your livelihood's connected to it it's very hard to kind of put into words often mm. the plight of an entrepreneur and not to be where is us because oh my gosh is it a privilege as well mm. and don't take that for granted there are elements of it that can be quite lonely and I think most entrepreneurs would agree with that um so yeah being in a room with other people that can encourage you mm. we can also say you know I'm and I'm probably you know one of the I'm not younger, but um, what's the word? 
you know newer on the journey if you mm. like of not being gotten not as many miles in the car if you like um i just get to sit there and learn from mm. you know people 42 years into their business and we're just five but not just learn what's going well actually a lot of it is it's just really humbling because you've got i mean i think of you know um am i allowed to say he goes no. yeah okay you know james perry of cook yeah is there and you know probably most people listening will know cook the frozen cook meals and he's not often talking about you know yes he'll say what's been encouraging but it's 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 always actually people are also sharing what's been challenging and mm. um that's really humbling you know I, I always like to say you know we live in a social media world where people are you know it's very easy to probably hear our stories and look at social media and think everything's going well and it all looks so glamorous but the reality is is it's just as hard as it as anything else that you could be facing in your jobs and um i i personally find it encouraging to hear the challenges and the encouragements and and off the back of that have a network of people you know to call up and you know just today joel was actually on the phone to james and we you know we call you i called you last week for a 10 second answer and i got 30 minutes on us tax <laughs> And how to how to sell into the US, which is brilliant, and that would take us hours and hours of research. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just it's amazing to know that there are just incredible godly mm. godly leaders. And, and I think if I look back, what I tried to do was to create a safe space. Mm. You know, what's in the room is in the room, um, and the most wonderful thing is how I've seen you all link up because there are about thirty on the list, and regularly twenty four people come. And uh, knowing that, oh, well, I spoke to you last week, I spoke to you and you helped me out with that. It, it's been really quite amazing how you've all supported each other. So it's been worth the investment of time and effort to make the lunches happen. And lunch. And a really good lunch. <laughs> yeah, I went once and then... Yeah. <laughs> was. We asked you to speak and you spoke. And, and I did speak. I did speak. It was very nice of me, wasn't it? Yes. Always have to sing for my supper. How about you? I mean, we've heard some stories about how Gary's had some opportunity, in a sense, to directly minister Jesus. How about you? How's that worked out for you? Has that been part of it? I mean, I think what I've definitely witnessed is what I found really fascinating with recognising what we've been doing in retail spaces is I'm not sure we've ever directly mentioned the name of Jesus, even though, of course, he is <laughs> the ultimate, you know, yeah. healer and answer to everything. Um, but I've definitely seen the Holy Spirit moving. And um, I think someone once described it to me as the leaves of healing to the world. And, you know, we took this giant wall of hope into John Lewis stores in 2021. And it was, you know, huge. And people could write on it uh, it said messages of hope and people would just write coming out of the pandemic people would write messages of hope on it and then they got to take away a card that had a message of hope and they were all different messages of hope and I'd written them and they were really poetic but there was scripture woven into kind of every single one of those cards not that you would necessarily know but it might say you know don't worry about tomorrow it's got enough worry of its own just you know focus on today and it was they're just so it's such beautiful written letters and i've seen people literally take a card and just be completely overcome mm. 
mm. with with emotion and and they would say how did you know i needed to read that today and um so i mean that's been really amazing to see and we've actually now we're bringing out well mental health day on our fifth birthday we're bringing out messages of hope box which is 30 days of hope that mm. you can send to someone when they need it most and then the most beautiful boxes and it's it's full of it's full of encouragement it's full of it's full of the word really mm. um and and then i guess on the other side of that i probably see it more with my staff when it comes to mm. direct kind of ministry opportunities I, I mean a lot of the people we have hired for our, not always i don't you do not have to be a christian to work for us by any means and we've had a whole load of people that haven't been and that, that they're brilliant um absolutely brilliant um but i've definitely seen obviously those that have a faith and share kind of mm. maybe see the kind of bigger picture of of it all um and seeing that really impact them and then seeing the people they work alongside us i had a um one of our ambassadors emailed us at the end of the christmas season to say that she'd she wasn't a christian before i don't, I don't even know how she I mean, she must have, I don't know how she joined the dots, but she just said, I just want you to know of like, I've absolutely love working for Recognize, la, 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 la. Mm. And, and I've, I've grown a lot closer to God in this experience. Wow. Um, and I think a part of that's because they, they have such proximity to love. So they experience this love, this compassion, and it says God is love and love is God, mm. or, you know, it's that kind of mixture of words, mm. isn't it? And, mm. and I, I think when you witness love in any form, you are experiencing and encountering God. And I've seen that in business. I've seen that in personal life with friendships, with, um, you know, family members, it's it, love is God. And so when you can get people to experience that, I think they experience maybe the first time they've ever truly experienced God. There is a challenge. I know. I know in being you... in business and putting your head above the parapet mm. because people tend to, judge you in a completely different way and they'll say things like i'm really surprised you do that as a christian and and this does happen quite often um and being in business and being a christian doesn't mean that we have really difficult that we don't have really difficult decisions to make and, and you've been through some times of really difficult decisions haven't you mm. but you've had to make those difficult decisions particularly around people because of the good and the well-being of the business for all the other people you're still employing um, and it's the same thing in our business. Sometimes sometimes you have to make difficult decisions, but it's the way that we go about making those decisions, which hopefully people will remember, because we need to be fair and true and honest in, in difficult times. Um, because if you don't make those decisions, then everybody in, in the end loses out. Do you want to comment on one of your difficult decisions? <laughs> um yeah definitely i just need a moment to think about them this means so many <laughs> um i mean i'll tell you what's happened recently which i just think is an amazing testimony um difficult decision and to be honest the difficult decision we've had in the last two years is whether to keep the business going because um and that's difficult because well, at times it's it's been difficult because it's felt out of our control <laughs> because there's not enough funding coming into the business or, and you know, we built our business differently to Gary's um, at the very, very beginning, which is that we kind of relied on investment to get going. And so we kind of hit a point where you're kind of, you're trying to take investment to grow and eventually get to a point when, when you're self-sustaining. And that obviously when you 
throw a pandemic in there and things don't go so well you're suddenly in a position where that's hard and it's you know it's probably no surprise it's been one of the toughest environments to raise further investment in and that's even harder when then things are downturning and and so we've kind of spent the last two years trying to grow the vision and the future of the company whilst also trying to keep the business going and that has required very different thinking very different leadership um very different decision making um but you know recently august just gone you know we'd probably come about 90 gary you said to us this is a two-year recovery plan <laughs> and i thought no it's not <laughs> It'll be a year but you know he, he doesn't know you just know these things and and i would like i think we've done it in just under two years so um what's two years minus three months i don't know uh, I mean, 21, 21 months. months there you go yeah. 21 months and um, but april April, August just been, um, I think we've probably come 95% of the way there of, mm. of just getting the business back into a financially healthy position mm. um, following the impacts of, of the pandemic on our business. Um, and that looked like raising money, but it also just looked like, you know, make like reducing costs, making more sales and, you know, just working mm. very, very, very hard to keep it going. Mm. Um, and yeah, it got to August and to be honest, it just got to the point where this year it kind of felt, I mean, this year in itself, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I'm gonna say it because it's a great testimony, but probably this year I can probably count maybe about six times where we had about two weeks runway left. <laughs> and somehow the money would just kind of come and it came from lots of different ways. And I'd say until about April actually, it didn't, mm. it felt like the money would come, but it didn't feel easy. It didn't feel like, um, like that true like flow or like, grace of you like it kind of felt like we mm. really had to hustle to make it work mm. and then june and july i would say it really switched i'll tell you why in a moment but um suddenly the 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 stuff that you know june two weeks runway left all of a sudden our sales doubled on every channel so our own website other th online third-party websites were on retail like everything didn't do anything differently completely doubled stayed that way mm. pretty much ever since so that gave us runway till the end of uh, July we went to a show at the end of July we did four I think three to four times more than we were projecting to take at that show so that gave us runway to September and we were supposed to run out at the show so all of this stuff's happening and then we get to April and we have this um, April end of August and we just have this decision of you know we just knew that we needed a bit more it was just a final hump but something really shifted in our hearts in August and it was something around starting to pray for God's will to be done and not for our will to be done. Mm. And it was honestly the most transformative experience that mm. we've been in, I think will change the way we run the business going forwards. Because I realized that so often, I said to God, look, I just feel like so often this year, money's come in, but it's not, it's felt really hard. And we just want to be out of this season now. And actually, do you know what? We're just gonna, I felt like we were kind of asked to lay it down. And that was a really tricky mm. decision. You know, do we, do we lay this down or do we keep fighting and clasping at it? To keep it going because actually we ended up at the end of august um about to run out of money first week of september and with a business head and everything practically would tell you you should be working this week you should be you know going to the banks going to the people you know like trying to get trying to sort this out and we just really felt the lord be like nope i want you to we up in the late district i want you to rest this week i want you to lay it down and so we laid it down I sent a prayer message out to, first of all, I sent it to our recognized prayer group. Mm -hmm. And I sat on this sofa overlooking a mountain mm -hmm. in the Lake District 
what, looking up at this big mountain. And I felt the spirit nudge for me just to send it a bit further. Um, so I sent it a bit further. And within 10 minutes, someone called me and said, I'm a man of prayer and I'm a man of faith, but I'm also a man of action. Um, I want to help. I want to help. How, you know, how much do you need? And um, in the last week, we got a, a substantial investment into the company. We also went to a trade show where we took a very substantial order. <laughs> I also got healed in my neck this week. I've had two, two months worth of neck pain. It's just, it's all of a sudden, and I always, um, and I'm kind of preaching now, but I've always held on to this. You said to me before, how has God got you through difficult times? Something I've really seen in the last few years is um, where Jesus says to Pete, when Jesus calls Peter to walk on the water, and Peter starts to struggle and he's going kind of under the water. It says all of a sudden, and it says immediately, the Lord pulled him out, mm. immediately. It's like, as soon as he can't take what he can't stand, because we know that God doesn't let us go through anything we can't with, like, withstand, that he immediately pulls you out. And I think I've seen that time and time again, actually. So it's kind of probably to listeners just to hold on to the faith and just have courage in knowing that the Lord will immediately pull you out when the time comes. I don't know if you've seen that, Gary. I have, and, and I'm reflecting about, um, I think it was the 24th of March, 2020, when we were told our businesses need to close for 12 weeks. And I, I just sat upstairs in our spare room, which we turned into like a little war room um, for the business, just to work out how on earth we could survive. We, we were losing money at the rate of about two million pounds a week we would have run out of money within about 10 weeks uh, and we couldn't have paid the staff probably by by may nearly june and and in amongst all of this the local food bank rang me and said gary can you get me some of this some of that and, you know like here's a shopping list 12 marmalades and i'm thinking oh this is pathetic i said by the way um how many parcels a week are you packing and he said oh 25 parcels a week and i said but are you ready for the tsunami What's that? I said, well, how can you do 200 parcels a week? He said, well, we can't. We don't have the space. Or So I said, no, 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 it's coming. So I rang around a few of the local church leaders and I said, guys, are we ready as a church? We are facing into some really difficult times. People are going to go starving. This was the time when, um, you know, people going to the supermarkets and like clearing the shelves into their trolleys and there was a big hoo-ha about people hoarding things. So we sat down with the local food bank and they said, right, okay, um, I said, right, we're going we're gonna to buy enough food for a thousand boxes. I just saw it coming. So they said, well, we need so much of this and so much of this, so much of this. So, but we couldn't go and buy it because the wholesalers didn't have the stock and you couldn't go down to Tesco's and get it and so on. So one of my son's contacts up in Manchester who deals in food says, yep, I can do your whole of your shopping list. It's 40,000 pounds. And I said, wow. So we sent the lorry up to Manchester. And he said, and, sorry, it's 40,000 pounds and I'm not giving you the stuff. You've got to pay me for it. So I said, okay, fine. Well, I said, okay, we'll do it. So I committed this 40,000 pounds for the food. It was irresponsible bearing in mind we were facing into some really tough times. I sent one of our Arctics up to Manchester, came back absolutely laden down with food because our lorries, we sell toys and toys are really light and food is pretty concentrated and pretty heavy if it's all thinned. So we unloaded all this stock um, so we could start packing all these boxes. And um, somebody said, uh, where did the food come from? And and that the charity Restore Hope that, that um, Kath and I are trustees of said, oh, um, it came from a company up in Manchester. 
They said, oh, really? How much did it cost? £40,000. He said, I'll do that. I'll cover it. So so I, in, in a way, I, I had to step out in faith and believe and, and God gave me back. And there's other instances that we bought um, a 20-foot a, a refrigerated container because we need to put fresh food in it. I paid it for that, and, and then God gave me the money back again. Um, and, and we've seen that over and over again. Um, and one of the verses in the Bible that I... Uh, being dyslexic, I don't read enough of the Bible. One of the verses in the Bible that's kept me going because I've seen it happen over and over and over again is 1 Samuel 2.30. I hope it's the right thing, but I think it is. And it says, those that honor me, I will honor. Mm. You cannot outgive God. God, no, ah, you, sorry. You've got to have the right motive. If your motive is right, God will honor you. If you do what you do, because I think you want payback on it, it doesn't work at all. Good to know. It is really good to know. Well, I've had to learn that the hard way. So so when we didn't stock um, Halloween that first year, the lady who came into my shop, um, in in the um, in the October of of nineteen ninety, become a Christian in the May nineteen ninety one. But she said to me, "Gary, stop selling Halloween, and God will replace your lost business in other ways." I thought she was an, I thought she was a fruitcake. And in the following year, October uh, nineteen ninety one, I'm a Christian. I stopped selling Halloween. Our sales just rocketed. Best month's increase we had. We're now three shops up to that point. So I learned from the beginning that I could trust God. Even with money, I could trust God. And therefore, it's no big deal, is it? You just step out, you do it, and, and God just steps in and just picks up the pieces. Um, and, um, and that's what I was saying about generosity through using the, the things around us. When the Trestle Trust rang me and said, Gary, you know you said if you could ever be of any help, I should ring you. And I said, yes, Emma, why? <laughs> she said, well... We've been offered um, we've, uh, f f to, feed, to keep the food banks flowing. This was, say, this was about April, maybe May, no, April 2020. We've got 240 arctics of food coming in over eight weeks. We've got to take it in, we've got to break it down, reassort it into the right quantities for each food bank and send it out. Could you do that for me? So I said, mm, yeah, I'm sure we can. So um, our warehouse in Banbury was sitting there idle. We weren't selling toys. So these lorries would turn up. I think it was something like eight Arctics a day pouring in with all these pallets. We reassorted it and delivered it out. And luckily enough, somebody else stepped in and said, we'll pay for your labor. We'll pay for the diesel. You've got the warehouse. You've got the willingness. You've got the lorries. We used the kit. And over, and over eight weeks, we distributed about nine million meals in, in partnership with with the people that donated the food, the people that paid for the expenses, in, in, you know, with the Trestle Trust. And I remember my warehouse manager at the time, he, he rang me one day and he said, Gary, we've just tipped all the lorries this morning. He said, but we said, we've got to get that, that we've got to get the um, food to um, Coventry Food Bank today. There's people that are going to be eating what we deliver today, tonight. It's desperate there. And, and you know, that's, that's why we do what we do. It's generosity is just it's just everywhere isn't it it's money it's time it's resources it's willingness uh, and willingness i think from a business leader is the key thing because you just could just say do you know what it's just an easy life if i don't get my hands dirty but that doesn't change the world what's in your hand it's a question for everybody isn't it what's in your hand that yeah. you can give away and it was, there was that fantastic story, wasn't it? What's in your hand? And I think it was a swamp with with uh, um, mosquitoes or something in it. Did you hear that story? I don't know the whole story, but yes. that's definitely worth looking up on the internet. It's the most amazing story. Yes, I love it. What's that. in your hand? Because on that, I mean, everyone go look up that, but also 
often what it can also be what's in your hand is is a lack so it could you know jesus had two and five and but and something we've been thinking a lot about recently he thanked what wasn't enough yeah and gave thanks for that and still gave it to god like we can take what we don't have and he somehow is able to make it into more than enough and it's amazing okay both of you two top tips of advice you've only got 40 seconds and then you've got 40 seconds two two things you'd say to a young person starting work or an entrepreneur I might I go first <laughs> um seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you that's number one lay everything down seek his will just pray for his will first I'm still trying to do that number one number two be be bold and courageous and never lose hope great thank you um dream big dreams and work hard <laughs> and be generous amen thank you very much both of you fantastic fantastic thanks for being so open transparent vigorous and for showing such courage and i think being an example certainly to me of people who are really seeking the lord's face and wanting to walk with him moment by moment decision by decision so because it's thank god it's monday podcast guess what you get wow thank you leaning thank you you can give that away i think it's really nice this one updated mark yeah it's the updated one and um oh yes yes yeah these little red orbs of sweetness (laughs) to remind you as our little red dots do that uh wonderful working with jesus walking with jesus day by day is a sweet and high privilege thank you so much to both of you shalom on both both of you on your families and on your businesses that was the Thank Goddess Monday podcast. And uh, if you're interested in all things work, then do scuttle over to the LICC website, licc.org.uk, where you will find a treasure trove of good things, links, films, books, resources, interviews, and so on. Today, we've been treated to listening to two people who have sought the face of the Lord day by day, week by week, year by year for themselves and for the enterprise in which they have been called to serve. So for you, whether this day the wind is against you or the wind is in your sails, may you seek his face, may you hear his voice, may you know his presence Mm. and walk closely with him in the things that he's given you to do this day and tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Shalom, shalom.